Yeah, but first of all, I just want to thank every single one of you who prayed for me, who um, you rallied around, you really prayed for me, prayed from your heart for me. And I, even though I didn't know what was going on here on, you know, in the natural realm, I was clearly aware of what was happening in the spiritual realm because God in his infinite mercy sent me a vicar. Okay, you hold on for this. Sent me a vicar. I was in a deep coma and this vicar showed up that they came to give me a last rite, came up and said, Cheryl has organized from faith. He said he introduced himself as vicar of Addenbrooke's. Now, I wasn't even in Addenbrooke's. I was in Norfolk and Norwich. That's a different story. So the Lord showed up to let me know in that place that there was an army that has risen up, that Cheryl had organized, and they were praying for me. And this vicar said, we have opened up a book of remembrance for you. And that in that book, that everybody comes and they write the things. You know, all, I don't know what he said they were writing, whether it was the works or whatever, in that book. And so we have that book. Every People come in there and there and they open it and they read it and then they pray for you. And so I knew that you were praying for me and that he wanted me to know. And then the, the people standing around, they were wondering, we called you to come and give her her last right, not to, not to talk about what is happening. And he stood there, this vicar, well, vicar of Addenbrooke's. <laughs> we all know who the vicar of Addenbrooke's is. He came and then just declared life into me in that place. So I just want to say thank you so much. I may not be aware of who you were individually, but spiritually, I saw an army that rose up and were praying for me. So I'm so grateful to that, for that, and I'm thankful to God Almighty. So, yeah, and um, I, I just want to say, I really don't know where to start because it's just so many different aspects of this that I don't know how to, where to start. But, you know, I want to start from a place where they say God will never send you into a battle that he hadn't already prepared you for. You see, when we know that there is a strategy behind our battle, the way we go into it and the way we fight it is totally different from when we go into battle thinking we don't know the outcome of that battle. So when in December, just that little gap, when and there was, um, when, you know, the little gap where they lifted the, the, the ban, I went to, to um, I prayed with a friend. Some of you may know her. Some of you may know she's now a reverend, Kina. She used to be in faith life, but she's now a reverend in the, in the Anglican church. You will say, how would that happen? But when God calls you into a place, you've got to go. Although she's in that place, she's on fire for God, and she's reviving the place that she is. Amen? So because, you know, we always think, why would you leave a charismatic church and a church on fire and go to an Anglican church? God, where God plants you, he grows you, and he uses you to fulfill his purpose. So we pray together every morning at 6 a.m. She's my prayer partner. And she has a retreat. She just bought a retreat place in Wales. And so I went to this place. I was walking from home. I walked from one to, to um, from um, nine to one in the afternoon. But we decided we were going to take a time to fast and to pray. So we were praying. Um, we just fast six to six every day, and then we pray. And God started speaking, and the word meant nothing to me. You know, I've got different scrambles of papers because I want to actually read the things from where God spoke to me and what he did at the time, so it doesn't look like I've just written them yesterday. I have different books when I'm praying, I scribble them, and then I transfer the promises into another book. <laughs> That's how I do it. So we, we were praying, and, um, and God started talking to me about his promises over my life, over how he had, um, he called me, you know, from being a young child and that he was going to see me through to my ripe old age and I just declared that I remember just staying in that place and just really thanking God that he has done that um, for me if I can find it um, 
I'm not going to read all of it. I'm just telling you that when God sent you to a, ba a battle, that's because he's already had it prepared. Isaiah um, 46 from verse 3. So you can read it when, when you have time to read it. So from he said, listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all remnants of the house of Israel, who have been upheld by me from birth, who have been carried from the womb. Even to your old age, I am he, and even to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made, and I will bear. Even I will carry and we deliver you. And it went on and on, this promise. And something just exploded in my spirit. This was on this um, 14th of December. Something exploded in my spirit. I started praying. I prayed in tongues for ages. And then I started declaring that, you know, I will see my uh, ripe old age. I will carry my, my grandchildren. I, will, I started declaring over my life. And I was speaking to COVID and I was speaking to everything that, you know, could take lives. I started declaring over my children, over my husband, over my family. Over my family. And then it just carried on from there. You know, scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. And so God started teaching me that, you know, like when, when there is a battle ahead of us, when we go into battle in fear, it's because we have not heard a word from the Lord. Is because we have not paid attention. That's why that song, when we say, may we become more aware of your presence. Because his presence does not come the way we expect it. His presence is not goosebumps. It's not shaking. It's not laughter. That is not just the presence of God. The presence can come with power. His presence with revelation. His presence with that aha moment. So I pray to God that you will not miss, uh, miss an hour of visitation. You will not miss your hour of revelation. You will not miss it. So I pray that we become more aware of the presence of God in our lives. So when that thing happened to me, I wasn't saying, oh God, I'm not going to live or maybe this is not for me I claimed it and I stood on the words and I started declaring it and so that was back then and then during that period as well I noticed that I started listening to songs that I didn't really necessarily listen to before I started listening to that a song that said as it is in heaven it just popped up one morning while I was just going through my Spotify and that song uh, popped up as it is in heaven you know in, so I, 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 I started singing it over and over and over. I said, in the end, I said to Kina one evening while we were praying, I said, do you know this song? She said, oh, Joyce, that song. She said, even that song is in the list of my wishes for when, you know, I pass on. I said, this song is just messing me up as it is in heaven, you know. And I saw, uh, even though, you know, uh, um, I'm waiting, I know I'm not waiting for heaven lives in me, you know. So I will sing like a man with no sickness in my body. I will sing like a man with which prison doors cannot hold. I will sing like I am free. That song messed me up. I listened to it over and over and over. In fact, when Spotify, I looked at it, I listened to it over 238 times. Not, not, not knowing why. Preparing you for a battle. And then the second song that came was New Wine in the pressing. In the, I think I may have even sent this to a few people in the church. In the pressing, so that I'm, you know, I'm making a new, new wine. You know, and I just listened to that again over and over. They were all this and they were now my playlist going over and over and over. And then the other one is the old classic, In Christ Alone. So those three songs, so just hold those back. And this is the background because I'm going to come back to it. So all this is happening, and I'm just like loving God, being in the presence of God, just really being, surrendering my life to him, not knowing what is going to happen. And then on the um, um, first 30th, between the night of 30th of um, December, and uh, 30th of November going to December, I had a dream. 
And in the dream, you know, I heard this voice over and over again. I'm doing a new thing. Can you see it? Can you see it? Can you see it? I'm doing a new thing. Can you see it? And I said, what is it that I need to see? What is it that you are doing? And I tried to lead in to the, hear this voice to say, can you do anything? And I woke up. So I'm saying, okay, God, whatever it is that you are doing, I am so ready for it. You know, you're doing a new thing. Uh, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> so this is the background. So all going, you know, through January. And then in January, everything was fine until about the 23rd of January. 23rd of January, um, I received an email from my nephew, my niece's husband who was living with her and say, oh, auntie, I've tested positive for COVID. Here is me, not going out, not going to the supermarket, not even going to, to walk around because I don't want any of those COVID. I've got this sign on my door, Psalm 91, no fear here on my door. You know, and so I was declaring the words and everything. So I was fully confident that I was not going to get COVID. Like I say again, the way you expect the presence and the power of God in your life is not what it looks like right? If there is no trial, there is no, you know, um, testimony. No, with, there's no testimony. You see, the part of the first part of testimony is spelled T-E-S-T, -E right? And, but it's not God who tests us, so I'll come to that in a minute. So, in the, on the, I, 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 she said he tested positive for COVID, so I was fine. I was Frankie Cheryl. Okay, so, listen, don't be like me. The first person you should go to is God, not ring Cheryl to say, <laughs> <laughs> Cheryl! <laughs> she said, oh, yeah, we're getting on it, vitamin D. We're arriving on my doorstep. You know, vitamin D with K, and then you just overdose yourself on vitamin D. And that, that was Cheryl's solution. And I, I listened to my pastor. I was overdosing myself on vitamin D. But listen, I had no symptom. I had no cough. I didn't lose my, I didn't lose my taste. I had no temperature. I did, there was no symptom whatsoever. But one thing I decided to do, I said, okay, I'm going to stay in my prayer room. I'm not going to go in our bedroom because I don't want less, um, to get it. So on the 30th, I took my COVID test and I was positive. And I still say, oh, I'm fine because every other person in the house got COVID. And they were all fine. The children were fine. And they are this, uh, what do they call them? The A whatever people who get COVID. Yeah. And I didn't feel anything. And I still didn't feel anything. On the Thursday, you know, every morning, Kina and I will pray and will declare, and then we'll go back to the scripture. She said, Joyce, can you imagine? Look at all the scriptures that God was giving you. In so because of that, I started reading the scriptures, those scriptures back and holding on to the promises. You know, it's good to share your revelation. I always say, I think with Olive, I always say, the more when, when I get a revelation, I share it. Not because I want to say, oh, look at me. But because the more you say it, the more you hear it, and the more your faith builds. Yeah? So when you declare the word, when you speak about your revelation, about, oh, I got this from God, oh, I got that from God, it's not boast, because really, we all can hear him. We all have equal than everybody. But the more you say it, the more you hear it, the more it builds, in, builds your spirit, the more your faith grows. Faith comes by what? Comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. And so every word is spoken, is spoken to you. If you speak it out, it becomes more you speaking it to the atmosphere. And then no God's words will never return to him void. Therefore, he has to go out and accomplish the purpose for which it has been sent. Right? So my friend is telling me, oh, you remember? God, oh yes, we're going to stand on this, we'll stand on that. On Thursday, anyway, fast forward till the 7th of the day, I, I was fine. And then we went out for a, uh, my friend came, Emma, Sister Emma from this church, she came, she said, I'm going to take you out for a walk to fresh air. I went out, she saw me, she thought, oh yeah, she has COVID, she's not as bad as I thought she might look, you know, something. So we went out for a walk, I was fine. And then the other day, I noticed that I was feeling my clothes on my skin. I said to Les, this is unusual. Cheryl, I don't know. I feel my clothes on my skin. I don't know. That's the only way I could describe it. And she said, oh, what can that be? I said, I don't know, because you don't feel your clothes on your skin, do you? So when, are you, when you're now being aware that you are wearing something, there's something wrong. 
So around 111, 111 rang my GP. My GP called the ambulance. My ambulance took me to Addenbrooks. I got to Addenbrooks. They just look at me, you know, say, may God save you from the doctors. I'm sorry. I really love doctors. I respect them. And I really applaud them for the work that they do. But I got there. They said, walk around the world, walk there, walk there. I said, oh, nothing. Just go home. You don't even have a temperature, blah, blah, blah. You're fine. I got out of um, Addybrooks. No taxi could take me home. Remember, ambulance came and there was no, um, I just instinctively called a taxi. They didn't let the taxi pick me up. I had to call Les to come and pick me up, you know, and then I went home. That was on the Wednesday. Okay, that was the real life thing that I was aware of. So I wasn't in pain or anything. I feel sorry for my husband, who, people who were watching me. I was not in pain. I didn't feel anything. And then on the Friday or the Friday or Saturday or whatever, I said, so let's, let's go for a walk. So we went for a walk, but I could not literally no walk from my house to the end of the road. And all this time, I still don't feel sick. I, it's so strange. The grace of God, when it's upon you, God wraps you up in the bubble, you know, in such a way. I said to people, they said, how did you feel? I said, listen, I felt nothing. I couldn't breathe. He could hear me laboring and everything. Anyway, in the end, on the Saturday or Sunday night, he called the ambulance and they took me to hospital. I was not aware. He said I was talking. I, was, you know, I, I wasn't aware. I got there. They had to cut my clothes off me because they were really running, whatever. And then they did all that. And um, I'm reading all this from the diary that they kept for me. May people not keep diary of your life for you in Jesus' name. But... Um, so, and then they, 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 they cut the, off my body, they sent me to ICU, and then they, immediately they put me off, they put me, so I was in a coma. That was all I knew. So that was what I knew in the physical. I didn't even know that bit. But when I was there, when I, immediately I was like in a coma, I didn't know I was in a coma, like physically, I'm telling you, but... I'm telling you, if people who say that this life is all there is to it, oh my goodness. Immediately I went into that coma. I, still, I stepped into another place. And the scriptures clearly describe, it said, we have an enemy. The person sitting next to you is not your enemy. Tell the person next to you that you are not my enemy. Your pastor is not your enemy. Your colleague at work, you know that one you don't like very much? He or she is not your enemy. But we have the enemy and his only one enemy. Who is the accuser of the brethren? And he accuses us day and night before the fire. And that I found that scripture out while I was in the coma. So I found myself in this place. This place I'm lying on my back. Okay, so if there's any doctor in the house, you know when you are in that position in the in the coma and on ventilator, they don't lie you on your back. You are right, right, okay. So in the physical, I was on my front, apparently, but in the spiritual, I was looking up to heaven and people, everybody that was there. And when you leave this, when a believer is ill. And you are not well. Listen, if it's not your time to go, there is a hospital that you go to. There is a real hospital that is like a hospital that you are in. That's where I was. I didn't see the heaven paved with gold. I think Jesus knew me too well. If I saw it, I ain't coming back. So, so, so he came down with a troop and a team, a very effective and capable team. So I was in this place. But before they could get to start ministering to me, to start doing anything at all, I found myself in this place, in this hospital that looks like a courtroom. When I first got to the, to the hospital, the natural one, okay, I read. So, so I'm glad they kept this because I can tell every single day how the spiritual was affecting the natural. So when I first got there, everything was calm. It was, it was very calm, no, no issue. But I noticed my hearing was so acute. So I noticed that somebody could be talking so far away, and I, I can hear what they are saying. And for me, that is, that is not normal in the natural, right? 
So I noticed that there was like kind of like a conspiracy going on in this first place. So with them telling you, there is, there is, <laughs> oh my gosh. We, we, the, the devil is not omnipresent. That's only God. But he has his agent and he has his demons. I mean, I'm sorry if I'm spooking out anybody here. I can only just tell you as it is as I saw it. Otherwise, I'm not doing you good and I'm not being faithful to what I promised that when I do come here, I'm going to say it, right? So, the, 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 so the, everything was calm. And then suddenly there was like pandemonium. There was everything, everything was kicking out. And I could hear somebody saying, her brother, they said, they said, her brother, can you imagine that her brother has purchased her healing? That her brother has purchased her healing. What about those who doesn't have a brother who is in the place that can, their healing can be purchased? And there was this opera and all these people that appeared to be nurses and doctors and care and everything. Everybody rose against me. And, they were, and whatever they said, I could hear. So before they walked to me to come and find out things from me, I already knew what they were going to ask and like I was prepared for an answer. So they would come to me and they say, oh, go and find out. See what she says about this. See what she says. It will be too long if I go on and on about it. So that was that place. But then in the natural, I realized what was happening. The enemy was so happy to say they've had her now. Right? They've had her now because the hospital had rang my husband and said to him, we know your wife is very ill, but the thing is, we need her bed in the critical unit. I mean, hello? I don't think you heard what I've just said. They told my husband, we know she's very ill, but we need her bed. Now, this was in Hitchinbrook. They needed my bed because there was somebody they thought was acute. I was critical. Somebody was acute. I don't know the difference. So now they rang my husband that they needed the bed. And they have rang round. There was no bed for me anywhere. You know now what Mary felt like. There was no room in the inn. So they couldn't find a bed, critical bed for me. And they, obviously, they needed to move me out. And if I didn't have a brother, see, I never, I knew Jesus as Lord. I knew Jesus as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. But I never related to him as a sister. But you know what the scripture said? That he is the firstborn. Hallelujah. So I didn't, so this time when they were talking about the brother, her brother has purchased her healing, her brother has made a way, her brother, just, I'm thinking, which brother is this, you know? And it's so, so everything broke loose. But my brother made a way because the place that I needed to be was available in Norfolk and Norwich Hospital. And then they rang him. They said to me, they can find a place. And then they, they find this place and then they're going to move me. And then, you know, Les has his own struggle that he had to go through. And this time, all this time, I didn't feel ill. I wasn't sick. I didn't feel like I didn't know how people feel when they are ill. I didn't feel any of it. I was just experiencing all, all these things going on. And so before they could take me from that place, all hell broke loose because they didn't want me to leave that hospital. So I found myself in a courtroom within a, a different aspect of this hospital. In this courtroom, I was still on my bed, lying there, facing up. And then I'm... Um, this, and then this enemy, one by one, these nurses and these doctors, they lined up. And they said, she said this. Or she doesn't say that. Or she said this. Or she said that. And she said, you know, that what everything I've ever said, just a little twist, make it sound like a different statement or sentence. The enemy is a liar. He's a thief. He's a killer. He's everything that you don't want to be associated with. You know, I'm telling you, every word I've ever said, one of them said, the one that actually made me laugh while I was lying on the back, I remember it clearly, was that my daughter was supposed to get married um, and then because of COVID and all the things that happened, so she couldn't really do the marriage as we wanted it to happen, you know? And um, her husband is an American and then she had to go and all that. So she said, this Said, the devil stood, he said, oh yes, you know, you said that people who lie belong to me. 
when somebody asked her, this is one, she said her daughter's marriage was canceled. But we found a wedding certificate in New York. My daughter and her husband had had a registry because she, tried, she was troubled. We said, listen, just because this thing is happening now, we can't do this wedding. We don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, you need to move to the state and you need your visa to get to the state. So, you know, do whatever you need to do. So they did um, a court registry. The devil found the best certificate to accuse me that I said the wedding was canceled. It was canceled. You see the twist? So, and I'm looking there, and I'm sitting there as joyous as I am. I want to defend myself. Oh, that is not true. And I'm arguing back and forth, back and forth. And while I was doing this, there was a man lying down, Dr. J.M. I didn't know who he was at the time. Just lying there, just really sitting there, really looking cool, but not saying anything. Why me and the devil? This one came back to say, and also, when you do things for her, she said, thank God. Is it God that is the doctor that, the, that, is, that is checking her, that takes the observation? All these nurses that are doing things for her, and when they do it, he says, glory to God. Is it God that, you know, whatever. So he's now saying that I don't appreciate the, 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 how can she love you if she doesn't even love these swans that she sees in front of you? And she says, so, twisting my word, but when I give glory to God, I'm not appreciating the people that are looking after me. And using twisting Jesus, you know, the scriptures, that if you cannot love this in front of you, you know, how can you love me? So he did everything. And so now, this is what I'm saying, when he prepares you for a battle, and now, I'm lying there, and the scripture which says, I'm fight I knew I was fighting for my life this time because I know. And then there's this monetary thing. You know, in the hospital, you see your heart beats going like this. And then there's a, when it's flat line, you know the person is dead. So they, they, they control this thing until it gets just above the flat line. And then they bring this accusation. And I'm there defending myself. And then when I remember the scripture, uh, in, uh, which says that if you cling on to your life, but you lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you know, you'll find it. And that just got in my heart. And the song, as it is in heaven, came to me. Every single word of it. Now I don't even remember every single word of that song came to me. And I just said, I said, you know what? And, and that time, I won't lie to you. So I still knew what was happening in the physical because they were using it to accuse me in the courtroom. And I thought about my husband. And I thought about my son. And I thought about Kemi. And I thought about um, um, uh, uh, Catherine. And I, each step of them, I think what will happen to them when I was gone. So I thought about Les. I thought about the support that he will have. I thought about Kemi. Yes, and I resolved to the point and I said, God, even while I was, I'm here, I can't look after them the way you can. So I hand them to you now and I surrender. So that song came. And then soon as that come, came and I knew that, you know, I can sing like a person with no sickness in her body whose prison doors cannot hold down because I know I'm free. Be why? Because I know heaven lives in me. And so the place I am going is no death. It's life. So when I came to that place of revolt, when I remember the song in the pressing, in that, that he's making new wine, I didn't know what the new wine was going to be, but I was ready to find out. And I stood and I looked at the devil and I started singing. In Christ alone, my hope is found. And I started singing, you know that line where they say, no power of hell, no, you know, no scheme of man can ever pluck me away from his hand. And I said to him, listen, you've accused me of everything I've ever said, I've ever done. But I have never come in my own righteousness. It's always, always, always has been through the righteousness of Christ. And I said, so you can kill me. You can, you can, so that thing that they operate in, I say, just put the plug. And I started getting excited in my spirit. As soon as I started getting excited, so this cool man that has been sitting all this time stood up. And he said, you have said, you have accused her of everything. I know he introduced himself as Dr. J.M. 
<laughs> you know. Oh my God. Dr. J.M., Jesus was sitting there all this time. Just watch it. Say, Joyce, when you finish arguing back and forth, <laughs> when you stop defending, when you stop defending yourself, when you are tired of holding on to your life, when you are tired. What did he say? He said, when you are tired of this wrestle, you break the yoke off your neck. So when I go to that point where I surrender completely, thinking my life means nothing, that to die at that moment was gain. To die was gain. Because, you know, I remember the scripture, if you hang on to your life, you lose it. And I said, I sur when I surrendered, I came, I really, di I did actually come to the place where I say, Listen, I am ready to go. In my heart, I said goodbye to my husband. In my heart, I said goodbye to my daughters. And I said goodbye to them. And I was laughing to myself. I said, I'm probably worth more dead to you alive. My insurance policy is worth so, so, and so. So, you know, if I go, you are not going to be financially starved. Honestly, well, that's Joyce, isn't it? So, <laughs> so I, when he stood up, and all this time, the enemy was accusing him and saying, how can you say the father is just? He said God is just, where well, he is not just. He, was, he named a man that he took two days ago and the other person that he took before me. So why is it now that you didn't purchase them for, for them, but you purchased for her? And then when he stood up, now that I know it's Jesus, then I didn't know it was, that was Jesus. He said, God is just because the cross, he said, when I, when he, you know, he said, first of all, he said, you accused her of the standards that her standard is below, and this is below that. He said, the only standard she only ever have to meet is my standard. And my standard is pretty high, but I have met it all for her. So, my justification, my righteousness, and everything came into play. And then it's a second thing. He said, God is just. He said, because I died for every single person. Every single one. He said, but every single person has a choice. She chose me. She chose me. And she believed me. And she received me. And because of that, I, the healing that I touches for everyone, she received it. Guys, all you ever have to do is receive. That is all you ever have to do, is to know that he has done it all. There is nothing that he hasn't done. There is nothing. And so when he said that, I didn't say, I couldn't say, I can't tell you now that he walked away or whether I didn't know what happened. I just found myself that he wasn't available anymore. And so when that's when I heard him, he just said, let her rest. Say tomorrow, get Michael. I know this guy as simply Michael. Michael is phenomenal. I'm telling you. Michael, now I know who Michael is. But at that time, because I felt like I was in, in Michael. So he said, Michael to put all the things in place. Because they were, although they are gone, they were not going to give up fighting. So because I was being transported, so I didn't know that there was transportation between Hitchinbrook with ventilator and everything, whether they were going to take me out or put me, I don't know what was going to happen, between Adam, uh, within Hitchinbrook and Norfolk and Norwich. So in between, I was going to go. So they said, here yeah, there's an opportunity. So once they've taken this thing out, there will be a delay. You will not going to let her out. This is, I'm telling you, whatever they are saying, wherever they are saying, I could hear. I don't know how, but I could just, my hearing was so acute. So now in the real life, I find out that there was transportation because, and even in this place, I knew that I was going to leave the place I was to go somewhere, but I didn't know. So, and then the battle, so he said, get Michael. <laughs> and get, I've forgotten who else, you know, he called the, uh, I knew the name. Anyway, he came and he said, I, uh, tonight, leave her now, tonight. You need to come and you need to fill her lungs. 
and then in the night, in the middle of the night, welcome it to be the middle of the night. But in this place, in the middle of the night, there's really no like a day or night, except when I was in the courtroom. When I was in the courtroom, there was like darkness inside, and where this JM was, you know, was light. But where he was, was dark. But this, after he left, this thing was bright, so I didn't really know the difference between day and night. But he called it night, you know. So, so he came, it was so quiet. All I heard was that he said, um, Joyce, Joyce, so Joyce, so I got to be said, I filled your lung to 100%. So now you need to maintain it. What time is it? What time have I got? How long have I got? Five minutes. Ten minutes. So I can't tell you everything. So I just cut it off. Cut a whole bit of it. So in the end, I was able to be moved from this place, from, from that place to another place where I was supposed to receive my healing. And then I got there, there was just, before I got there, uh, the transportation was like an issue, the delay was an issue, it was, the less told me in real life that it was up to about midnight before they could find the people that would actually, see how the spiritual affects the natural, that they could find the people that would actually move me to this new place, because Michael has come, Michael has like superpower, I'm telling you, you don't mess with him. You don't, and he could read the messages on your phone without looking at your phone. And then the messages started appearing. So there was this woman who's supposed to be, be careful who you, I'm telling you. <laughs> okay, thank you, Lord. That's going to be too much. But the thing is, when your eyes are open to the spiritual realms, nothing appears. You know, you can think, overlook stuff. That's worship. They say, let us become more aware of your presence. Letter is so powerful that we become aware that your eyes, spiritual eyes are open, that things that you see, you see, they are not really what they appear to be. What is more real is the spiritual realm. So I move from this place, everything that happens, you know, I'm going to cut it short, go to this place where my healing actually starts. So they filled my lung, and each day and each night, you know, a physiotherapist will come. And, and, and this guy, you know, will come. And Michael is like circling around everywhere. Like he's here, he's there, he's like circling around. It's like I am saying, there you come here, was like the, the vibe I got from Michael. You know, and we have this conversation. I don't, it's as if we, we were communicating through like a tunnel, you know, you know, it, 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 like a tunnel, that's how I can describe it. But I would not even speak. He or he doesn't, I, we could understand each other. So Michael was circling around everywhere and he would say, no, do this, they're coming from here, do this, they come from here, do that, you know. And so to protect the people who were telling me, they had this machine in front of me, and now all I had to do, lie on my back, and they just say, breathe. Or the job, the only job I had, day in, day out, they still from me, say, breathe, and I'm going, and I'm breathing, and I'm breathing, and I'm breathing. I say, okay, you've sustained this percentage. Oh, you've sustained that percentage. Oh, you've sustained this percentage. When I'm looking at this book, every percentage of each day that I've sustained is what is coming up, or the less ox uh, artificial oxygen that I was needing in real life. And then that was how, you know, every day I was doing this exercise and, and that. So when I, when my, when I, the day I was, I sustained my 100% oxygen, come and look at all of them. They actually high five each other. I think maybe they know the language I understand. They were like high five each other. There was this buzz and everything. And then so Michael now said, okay, fine. He needed to teach me a few things. So, that, you know, the first of all, I learned that, you know, the battle, for example, is strategic. He was telling me, do you see how I have to be this? Do you see how to be? you need to be precise in your, in, your, um, in your battle and in your warfare? And if we are fighting against flesh and blood, your battle is not going anywhere. If I don't look at you in a way you want me to look at you and you are angry, and you are angry at me, I'm telling you, you need to find out who is walking behind me that I'm not looking at you in the right way. So it taught me that spiritual strategy battle. And then when JM came, that was what touched my heart. I'm going to call this. When JM came, he said to me, look at the church. Look at the church. He said, I only gave you one command. Only one. 
and that is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. He didn't count them as two. The second is like unto it, love your neighbors as yourself. It's the one. It's not as if we have a problem in loving God. We have a problem in loving ourselves, and as a result, we don't know how to love our neighbors. Because until you receive, and the love is not by the love by doing, it's a love by receiving. When you receive the love of God and you know what it feels like and you experience that love, you experience the present, you love yourself no matter how you are seen. You love yourself. You love who he's created you to be. And it's, you know, the knowing comes from the love. The experiencing comes from the love. The receiving of it comes from the love. So you can't separate them. But instead we have mastered the act, the act, you know, like the doing of the love. I said, I don't understand that. That's what we're supposed to do. But no, you are doing the love. You are making it an obligation. I'm obligated to love. I'm obligated to do this. If you love by obligation, you have not loved. To love is to simply love just because. And that is in that place. And then the second thing, it wasn't JM who taught me this. It was Michael. And the thing that we struggle with, that our battle, really we feel that we have to end what we already have. Our salvation is a gift. It's a gift. And when you give a gift, you don't expect anything back. When you give a gift, it's not because somebody is deserving of your gift. When I give, I love giving gifts. When I go to give gifts, my friends know. When I go to give gifts, I'm praying before I go to buy a gift. I pray, what will bless this person? What will bless them? And I never give a gift that I don't kind of like envy myself. You know, and now look at the girl and say, oh, should I buy it for this person? And the Holy Spirit, just buy it for the person you come here to buy it for. You know, and so when I give, I get, say, it, she was using me to teach me. You know that excitement you, you, you get when you go to give the gift, especially those that you feel that they are not deserving of that gift. If you give gift to somebody because, you know, they've given gift to you, it's, it's, it's just that's just give and take. But say when you give the gift, it's if it's salvation, your salvation is a gift. It is good to come to church to bring out chairs. But if you think bringing out chairs is for you to, to earn your salvation, you've got it the wrong way around. To evangelize is something that we have to do. It, not we have to do, it's something that is good. But if you are doing it because you have to do it, you've got it all wrong. The only thing that you have to do is to be. To be you. And actually, when you are being you, you become more effective in the things that you are doing for him. So why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? There was instances that, uh, you know, when we think we don't, we, we do things and no one knows about it, he knows because the things that he said, when you did such and such a thing, why did you do it? It was a good thing to do. Why did you do it? When he asks you a question, he knows the answer. I'm looking foolish, sheepishly, because I know. He said, listen, salvation, that is just, it's, a, it's my gift to you. You are saved by grace through faith in what he has already done. If you try to earn it, you are not saved. <laughs> you, are, you can't earn your salvation. So it was love. It was, it was salvation as a gift and a faith. Without faith, it's impossible. Do you believe that he is who he says he is? And that he is a rewarder of those who seek him? I, I spent that December, it was not from works, it was out of my love. I wanted the fire. My, the, my whole point was that I said, God, I want that altar to burn again, not with wet coal, not with wet woods. I want the dry fire to burn. That was my whole purpose of going to Wales. It wasn't to seek anything. But why I thought I was seeking that, he's saying, I know, I know a battle. Because why? He knows the end from the beginning. So your salvation is a gift. And, you know, love is the only thing 
condition that you have to meet, love. Love unconditionally. Live authentically. Follow your destiny. You know, faith in him, in what he's done. Love your neighbors as yourself. There is a condition there. Would you love yourself? Love yourself the way he's loved you. He's loved you with an everlasting love and he stretched out on the cross. So I came out of um, intensive unit and everybody's calling me the miracle lady. I'm thinking, what are you talking about? So they said, <laughs> and they said, oh, in this book, they said I was a little confused because when I came out, me, I was still in the spiritual realm enjoying my time with Michael. So they thought I, I was suffering from delirium. That's what they call it. But my world was more real than the word. So when I got this book, I got one of the sit down and said, let me tell you what was happening each day. And then you open this book and then you read it. The day I had a dip was, like I said, I can't go everything, was the day where there was an obstacle, the woman in front of me, that I had to, the, Michael has to teach me what it meant to forgive. So as your salvation is a gift, your forgiveness is a gift. Freely you have received that, freely you need to give it. Forgiveness is like that gift that you take, that you wrap up and you hand to somebody who is undeserving of it. And this woman, he has to use that to teach me how it is to forgive. She stood there and told me how much she hated me as a black woman. How much she thinks my, my, my whole race should be annihilated. How she doesn't think that we are fit to live in the same universe. You know, saying all these things and everything. And Michael said, can we perform an experiment? I'm not going to go to through the experiment, and he did everything. And in the end, the conclusion was that when you, you do not wrestle against flesh and blood, that when somebody hates me, when a brother, a human being, who is supposed to sit in church and say, I love God, but I hate you, I should know that there is a disconnect in between. Rather than fighting my brothers and my sisters, he shows me the enemy that I should be fighting. Amen. And that he says to me, say, just forgiveness. So now, will you forgive her, knowing everything she said? And she showed me everything that she was doing. She was abusing her children. She let her children watch pornography. And she let, she just really divide things that she could ever do. And I found myself in this place with her, looking at this woman. When I walked there, I was disgusted. But by the time I finished with Michael, I was offering her the gift of forgiveness. And I said, I forgive you. And then she repeated everything she's told me. She said, I've just said this to you, said that to you, said that to you, and you forgive me. I, I said, yes. I said, because it's a gift. I don't need you to apologize to me. I don't need you to say sorry. And my love for her, I didn't know where it came from. And that is said to me, you see what you are feeling right now? This is what Jesus feels every time. This is what took him to the cross. And this is why he was able to heal everybody. I said, what is that? He said, that is compassion. So he taught me about compassion. That when we truly want to see revival of healing in our midst, we need to be compassionate. And compassion is not just saying, it's not empathy. It's not sympathy. It's not telling somebody, oh, I know how you feel. It's to feel what they feel. Because when you are moved with the pain in your brother, your sister's body, and you and you pray for them, you are literally praying to alleviate that pain from your body. Because you know what? We are all connected. All connected. So he showed me about compassion. And and I was able to give the gift of love, of compassion. And then Michael told me, she's feeling so bad, she wants to kill herself. And I said, what? Well, I can't see anything. He said, no, she's got a, paras a, a total box of paracetamol under her dress. And I sat there. There's somebody who told me how much she hated me, how much she wanted me not to exist, how much she hated me. My children are like monkeys and things like that. And they think that she valued the life of cats and cockroaches. She sells us as cockroaches. This is what she was telling me. But I felt this overwhelming love. I said to her, listen, I came to this place because I was dying. My daughter was going to get married. I may not have seen her got married. I may not have seen my grandchildren. I may not. So this is her to, to know that even when you are in that place, you know what is happening. So I said, but you have a chance to raise your children the right way. She said, no, Joyce, you don't understand. I have fed them on these things I've just told you ever since they were born. This is all they know. 
if I can't live to see my children, be like, at least if I die, they may be adopted and then their names will be changed. So I said, no, it doesn't work that way. I was able to say, what, do you, what are you hiding? And I said, you are hiding a packet of paracetamol that you are going to overdose when I leave this place. How do you know that? So well, it's unimportant. So she brought them out and really she didn't take those paracetamol and because of that gift of forgiveness, it was just using it to show me what forgiveness looks like. Forgiveness is not those who are easy to forgive. Forgiveness is for those especially who you may find difficult to forgive. So if you don't take anything today, I want you to know that God loves you unconditionally. He's purchased everything that you've ever needed. And he's shown me mercy. And I'm not special. And that I woke out of that, that room. I mean, five days later, I was walking. My respiratory was full. I didn't have anything. They said, you're going to. The only thing I had was like my hair was falling out. And I thought, okay, if you're going to do that, I'm going to make jazz it up. So I cut my hair and I colored it red. You know, <laughs> so, so, so that's the only thing. So I stand here today as one who the enemy thought her time was over. But Christ says, your life has just begun. He gave me life. He didn't just give it to me now. He did it when he died on the cross. And it's the same thing that he did for you. I don't know what you may be struggling with today. I don't know what stubborn situation that you have in your life. I don't know what you're saying. God, how long, how long, how long, how long? I'm telling you, if you only, I'm not, I'm not having a go at your belief. I'm not saying if you are sick and you've not been here that you don't have faith. I'm just telling you what I know. That there is no one, no one. If you are begging God to heal you, you've missed the point. If you lose your life, you gain it. If you want to hang on, you will lose it. But when you lose your life for his sake and say, God, this I know you. You say you know God. He wants, you know, he wants to know you. You know how he knows you? It's faith. When you have that faith in him, he knows you. That's all Abraham had to do. Abraham wasn't a perfect man. You know what he did. But yes, he was actually a righteous man because he had faith in what God did for him. God promised him, even when his body was there, over 100 years old, he still attempted because he was still believing God, right? I don't know what you are believing for. I don't know whether it's for your children to be saved. I don't know whether it's for healing in your body. I don't know whether it's for your finances. I don't know whether it's for, your, for, for, for uh, a husband or a wife. Whatever it is. He's got you covered. So the only thing that you have to do is to love unconditionally. Unconditionally. Live authentically. Live authentically. Love yourself. Be the same on Monday as you are on Sunday. In your weakness, let it be exposed. It's not a witness. You know when it's exposed. It may just be that thing because it's in my witness that I'm where I am now. When I could do nothing for myself, when I was willing to let go, when I surrender everything I had, I couldn't do anything, even if I wanted to. What did he say? His strength is made perfect in your witness. So today, really, who is that person that you are struggling to love, to have compassion for, to have mercy for? The way you receive mercy, you need to extend that. Really, I don't care. As I stand here, I really don't care what anybody you do to me. The only way I wake up every day is, God, how can I love you? How can I be more aware of your presence? It's like a week, or is it a week or two weeks after I came out of hospital? I was on my knees praying in my room. Roger was um, sending out messages. To, you know, I went to a prayer meeting, and then he was um, talking about praying. They were going out on the street. I was praying in the morning for him and the team. And I just felt the Holy Spirit said, you needed to go out on the street. So I said, oh, my God, I haven't been out since, you know, I came out of hospital. And I think I shocked Roger when he first saw me. He was trying to be nice, thinking, oh, you look good, Joyce. Well, I'm sure he's thinking, oh, my God, she's lost a lot of weight. And, you know, <laughs> so anyway, so I dragged myself and I said I was going to go. So I went, I said, I called Roger. I said, is it okay if I come? I'm just, just to pray. 
because I didn't know why I had to be there. And I went and I, I, I saw this, uh, uh, we were just waiting out chatting to Roger and everything. I said, well, I'm just looking for the one because Jesus said on my way. So I said, where am I going? He said, just look out for the one. So I'm going, looking out for the one. Stood with Roger, I was chatting, chatting, thinking, where is the one? Because I need to go back. And then the one came, a girl called Valentina. She came and I just had chatted to her. First, she didn't believe in God. And then she didn't believe. She just think all you, be, all you need to be do is to be good. You just have to be good and that's it. I'm telling you folks, good doesn't do anything. The only standard you have to meet is the standard of Christ. And it's the highest standard. You only receive it because he said he's done it for you. And so we were just chatting, chatting to her. I ended up chatting to her, telling her what we are doing because it was around Easter, telling her what Jesus did on the cross and everything. And when one of the priests stood up to preach and everything, I just saw tears coming down her eyes. And I said, you know, you can say the prayers when you say the prayer, when the time comes. She said the prayer and she gave her life to Christ. She, she had an appointment in Cambridge. When I mean appointment, a divine appointment. She came from London to Cambridge for the day. And she met with God. So what you do from the love of the Father, just by being aware of his presence, is the great thing. That's all you ever have to live authentically. Live authentically. Live authentically. By that, I'm not saying you have to walk to live authentically. Be yourself. Be who Christ has called you to be. So live, love unconditionally. Live authentically and follow your destiny. And whatever else, God has already taken care of it. So I just want to pray for somebody right now. Father, I just thank you. I woke up this morning. I had a little bit of a thing like a numbness in my ears. I didn't know who, you know, where it came from. And I started praying. I started praying on it and it wasn't going away. And then I said to God, if this is not mine and it's somebody else, I'm going to pray it and it's going to pray through. And actually, yes, it is it, gone. So first of all, I want to start with that. I don't know if it's somebody here or somebody who is watching. So Father, right now, I just thank you, Lord, Father, that you are reaching out, that your love is finding that one. I thank you for your compassion. Father, I thank you, Lord, Father, with that same compassion that you were moved and you healed everyone that was brought to you. Father, I bring this one to you. And I thank you that they are healed in your name. Amen. So, Father, right now, I just commit my brothers and my sisters. If you are sick in your body right now, I'm telling you that I'm not a special person. I know that in the world where I was, I, yes, people did die. And they kept telling me that when you stayed after five days, it become tricky. I was in that coma for eight days. And they brought me out to see whether my brain was functioning. I think they were shocked on the amount of activities that was in there. So I am saying I'm not special. I don't love God more than you do. I don't pray more than you do. Although, you know, I, I don't, I'm not a special person. I'm just somebody who believes that when God says something, that settles it. So I want to stand with you today. You may not have faith. I have faith. Enough for both of us. So if you are sick in your body right now, I'm going to ask you to put your hand where it hurts. And if you can't put your hand, if it's inside of you, just believe and see. Because if you can see it, you can receive it. Somebody said that when we walk, we walk. But when we pray, God walks. So I am going to pray. I'm going to stand on my faith with your faith right now. And I'm going to say receive healing in whatever area that is not in alignment in your body right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And I speak to every weakness of the body. I ask every weakness of the body, you know, I, what is for a general debility. I ask that you receive strength right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I pray, Father God, for every mental health issue. Father, I speak, I ask, Father, that cloud of darkness, of depression, to leave you in Jesus' mighty name. And I'm praying right now for a brother that your wife may have left you, but Jesus has not left. So every spirit of heaviness over your life, I break it in the mighty name of Jesus. And I speak light right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Depression, go. 
bipolar go in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I speak, Father, against every, every work of the enemy, Father. Over children, Father, spiritual deafness, I break it in Jesus' mighty name. And Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. I thank you, Father God, for Sophie and Charlotte, Father God. I use them as point of contact for every child, Father, children. They prayed for me that this would be their reality, that when they pray, things happen. So, Father, I pray right now, Father, that children will begin to see the manifestation of the power of the risen Lord. And that these children, they will grow up miraculous children. And that they will know that they can decree a thing and it's established because of, not because of what they decree, because of he who is in them. And I pray they will grow up to be mighty women of God. So I use them as point of contact for their generation. And Father, I thank you for every prayer, Father God, that was raised up to you on my behalf. And I thank you that for every mouth that was opened, every heart that was opened, every word, every spoken word, Father. Father, may it be unto them when they need it in the mighty name of Jesus, that they will experience your revival in their lives because they prayed. And you were good enough to send the angels to tell me they are praying, and that's because you heard them. And so, Father, when they need you, Father, I thank you that you already will meet them at the point of their need. Thank you, Father, for healing in body, in soul, in finances, in relationship, and in friendship. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.